There we are. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today we are talking with Dr. Jawad Mustafa, and he is an OBGYN with an expertise in breast cancer. He has been a family physician for 17 years and has transitioned into this specialty. And we're really grateful to have him here today because um, this concerns a lot of women and a lot of people. And we're really glad that he has taken the time out of his day to come talk with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> so can you tell us about your background, where you grew up and how you decided to become a physician and, and the shift into what you do now? Uh, basically, I'm from Pakistan. I'm Dr. Jawad Mustafa. I've been practicing for over 17 years. I graduated in 2004 from medical school. And after that, I've been practicing as a family physician. I have uh, in my own uh, clinical setup, which is a family setup that my family has. So uh, in 2012, I did my MPhil in obstetrical and gynecological ultrasound. So I've yep. been providing diagnostic ultrasound facility uh, in general for abdominal and gynecological and obstetrical, uh, you can say, cases. But uh, for this particularly breast health and cancer awareness campaign and uh, this dedicated uh, facility that I'm providing for breast cancer screening ultrasound, this is for over two years uh, as a dedicated, uh, you can say, service that I provide, uh, especially for those who are not able to afford a regular screening ultrasound. So I'm giving them a low cost facility along with I have uh, designed and developed a whole dedicated uh, website which has all the information regarding breast health, breast cancer and uh, my organization. It is a non-funded organization so I'm managing it. I'm running all this setup just to create awareness and uh, for over a year this organization setup is working. Sounds like you've really de dedicated a lot of your life to this, running a whole website. And and that's a lot of work to do that with no funding and no outside help. Well, basically, it is a requirement of the day, requirement of the, requirement of the time. Because if we are not taking any initiative, then we are at zero point. We are just talking yeah. about it and not doing anything. So it will not do any good to any person. So it, it is not just... Uh, problem of any particular uh, race or any particular country it is a global process global thing that is happening and increasing day by day so we have all to be proactive about it whether men or women it concerns us all and how did you decide to get into this then shifting from just family physician what what drew you to it uh, basically uh, i've been uh, doing diagnostic ultrasound for over 15 years but uh, this particular thing, this, there is a lot of gap that I recognize uh, that there is a gap between the information provided, the, uh, the patients and that they are not able to properly get the idea and the concept of screening uh, yeah. in this uh, part of the country and even globally, uh, mostly the screening process is above the age of 40 years, but the risk factors, they are starting right from the teenagers. Really? So this whole definitely uh, the diet wow. we consume the items we wear the skin products we use the thing we inhale it everything contains all the carcinogens all the chemicals that are affecting our daily uh, life and our digestive system our hormones and everything so yeah. the risk factors are starting from the teenage even before that and the yeah. screening is about the age of 40 years in all these time there i have 
been getting a lot of patients, especially in the late teens and 20s, with breast lumps, breast problems, uh, infections and all that. But all of them, they were told that nothing happens in the, your teenage and 20s and 30s because the breast cancer happens above the age of 40 or 45 years. So whatever happens, you don't have to worry, just wait for it, it will settle on its own. And many patients I have seen in their 20s reporting with breast cancer just because they ignored all the symptoms, their physicians, their treating gynecologists, they didn't listen to their complaints, they just told them to don't worry, There's, if this is a small lump, it will go away on its own and if even if it doesn't, it is not cancer because cancer doesn't happen in their 20s. So yeah. there were cases that uh, I did scanning and I uh, forwarded them for the biopsy and it turned out to be malignant. Oh, so, wow it made me realize that there is a lot of gap and it requires a lot of work to do so yeah on my that, end, i started this that's that's what i've always heard is oh it's not a risk until you're older i'm really surprised about that there are uh, studies and research about this and uh, there are even published studies that the mm -hmm. risk of getting breast cancer in 20s and 30s it is on the rise yeah, particularly due to this factor that nobody is talking about it, nobody is screening it, and nobody is even uh, ready to uh, diagnose it because they all say that uh, these problems, these lumps, or these things, they happen in their teens and twenties, but they are never mm -hmm. cancerous. They are cancerous. So that's the whole point I'm trying to make. So it sounds like maybe there are some outdated ideas in the medical profession that they're just not even looking at it as if it could possibly be cancerous just because of the person's age. Actually, uh, there are two things, uh, two main concepts, two main things. One is uh, medical science is definitely looking at these all these cases, the data is being collected, but to avoid the panic, because whenever you report a thing that a girl of 22 years or 23 years of age got diagnosed with cancer. In that area, in that whole city or all that uh, locality where that study is published and it is being recognized and uh, being taught to their, uh, you can say, students or doctors, it will definitely create a buzz. But really? to avoid the undue stress, undue panic, all these data is being collected, but these case reporting are being studied in those countries where research facilities is there. In the less developed countries like Pakistan, India, uh, Bangladesh, Philippines, in the UAE, uh, those system is there, but still it is not of that, uh, you can say, organized system. So all these countries, the data is not even collected. And even if it is collected, it is not being scrutinized and published the way it is in the US or the UK and all that. And the second thing is, it is very hard for the healthcare system to provide healthcare facility to every person that is coming to the clinic or the hospital. Because mm -hmm. if they start to screen 20s and 30s year females uh, with the ultrasound and the biopsies and all that, it is already flooded. It is already totally choked system, healthcare system everywhere. So that's why they are saving their own time. They are saving their own cost. But the cases are on the rise. And particularly in this post-epidemic era, these four or five years, it has exposed all the uh, healthcare system everywhere. Because 
we can deal with the normal uh, disease process that is happening over a trajectory which is predicted. But any additional burden, no healthcare system can sustain it. So that's why it is very hard to add another chunk of patients or probable patients to this. So it is on both ends that uh, government is not able to fund all these additional costs and all this. So that's why self-care is the main thing, the only thing that any person can do, self-awareness and self-care. This is the thing I have been trying to educate and guide every person, every female particularly, even in their teens, early teens, they should start learning it so that they can have a better life and a reduced rate of disease and cancer in their 40s and 50s. That's exactly the kind of thing that I had so many questions pop into my mind while you were talking, but that's one of them is that's exactly the kind of thing that I think um, that I want to promote here is that people take responsibility for their own health and, and also to, like you said, you can't, it's wonderful that we have doctors, but also they can't be everywhere at once and they shouldn't have to be, you know, we should try to take responsibility for what's going on in our bodies as much as is possible. You can't always, you know, affect things, but, um, I wanted to get into, first off, you were saying that these cases are on the rise and, um, I'm wondering, and you were talking about some of the risk factors and some of the substances. As I was doing some research earlier, I came across a list of a lot of a lot of different risk risk factors, whether environmental or hereditary, uh, plus just a lot of questions that people have about breast cancer in general. Could we start with just talking about what breast cancer is, and then not specifically the types, but just like what it is, and and then maybe get into some of the risk factors that contribute toward it? Because there were some things I learned today that I had no idea and were really surprising, actually. Uh, like any cancer in the body, cancer cells are basically those cells which are not under any control of the body system. Body mechanism has its own uh, system of cell uh, growth, cell division, and multiplication, and cell death. The program cell death and all that, this is all under the control of different chemicals, hormones, and uh, under the influence of brain and all that. But uh-huh. if a, a collection of cells, even a single cell or a collection of cells, that is not following this pattern of growth, division, and uh, programmed cell death, then it is definitely a mutated cell or with okay. a cell having a damaged DNA. Okay. Any trigger, any process, any hormone that is uh, facilitating uh, rapid growth or rapid division of cells, even if it is a normal kind of cell, it is on a high pace of growth and division. But due to all this process, this speedy process of growth, division, and multiplication, there is a chance that uh, there are damaged cells also produced. Because in a hurry, anything can go wrong. The same way, any cell growth process, it can go wrong if it is under any kind of stress, any inflammation, any stress of carcinogens, any stress of radiation, any stress of those chemicals that are either ingested or applied on the skin or all that. So these chemicals, these triggers, they trigger the formation of those cells, damaged cells and damaged DNA cells, which then if increase in their size and number, they lead a form of cancer. Not all lumps are cancerous. Uh, The main thing is 
those cells may or may not have the potential to invade and grow beyond their own uh, you can say premises so there are kind of lumps which are non cancerous like a lipoma it is a collection of fatty cells that is confined that will it will not spread it will remain its own place it can grow in size but it will not invade the surrounding area so these all are the kind of uh, tumors which are not cancerous the cancer cells on the other side they will increase in their number and size and they will not care about the their original boundary they will invade yeah. anything and everything that comes in their way either it is a bone it is it is uh, muscle skin they will invade everything cause they are just in a hurry to grow the number and size and eat everything any resource energy source that we put inside so same uh, thing happens in, in the breast cancer thing that there are different kind of cancers uh, it can be cancer that is more prominent in the skin it can be in their glands it can be in the ducts it can be in the lymph nodes of the armpit so anything that is happening inside the breast tissue or the nipple area or the armpit area it if it is not in any control of the body system and if the body is not able to uh, neutralize the threat then definitely it will grow it will increase in number and size and depending on the original health state of the patient the immunity of the patient and the nutrition and hormonal balance of the patient its uh, division and its growth it varies it can multiply within a span of weeks or months or it can take up to years if the body is able to partly control or manage the situation okay that's a really good explanation i've never heard it explained that way before do the cells um expand their own territory or do they because i know you said when the cells the dna of the cell is damaged right does it spread the damage to surrounding cells or does it expand its own create new cells copies of itself that grow the cancer do you know what i mean does it just does it actually actively go and find new cells to destroy or does it create its own copies actually it uh, as i mentioned earlier it depends on the uh, other factors that are happening at that time because okay. if the radiation exposure is uh, more than once let's suppose a person is living in a place where there is radiation exposure or there right. is a workplace where he or she visits where there is radiation exposure to overall body or any part of the body so these radiation exposures these carcinogens or any chemicals which are uh, increasing the pace of the multiplication of the cells okay. it has both kind of effect let's suppose a cell is damaged it is growing it is multiplying that that damaged cell will never produce a healthy cell it will produce a copy of its own whether it is of the same damage or even worse damage so it all depends on the factors that are influencing the growth of that cell uh, let in the case of the breast cancer mostly it is under the influence of estrogen hormone so if the estrogen hormone is normal in amount and its effect is normal on the breast glands and other part it will have a different kind of cell growth and mutation than a person in which there is estrogen dominance if a person is having excessive number of estrogen along with added uh, external estrogen like chemicals that she is putting either on the skin or she is ingesting and all that 
so this added uh, bundled effect of the internal and external estrogen on that damaged cell it will cause excessive number of cells to grow excessive number of cells to increase in their size and the pace at which they are multiplying and increasing it will go two or three folds so it all depends on the factors that are influencing the growth along with if a person is eating a lot of sugars this sugar is a direct energy source for those multiplying cells the the amount and the rate will increase drastically if that person is not conscious about the diet so these contributing factors they all contribute i wanted to ask you about the estrogen i was um learning about that as well and i have actually taken tests before to see you know about which hormones are dominant or things like that but i'm wondering if you had someone come into your clinic or if you were just advising somebody at home how would you let them what would you advise them to do to find out if they're estrogen or progesterone dominant or balanced or etc because that estrogen increases the risk of cancer of breast cancer specifically so how would you discover if you're estrogen dominant there are a few signs and symptoms that can uh, give an idea to any person whether a person is sitting in the home or visiting a clinic any female okay. there are certain signs and symptoms that can give a clue that something is going on especially with the hormones and estrogen in particular like uh, in the skin if there is uh, stubborn acne if there is uh, you can say repeated pain and tenderness in the breast heaviness in the breast if the breast feel firmer and nodular spongy like okay. it is a sign and if there is weight gain recent weight gains particularly on the lower tummy on the hips and thighs if there is a, a sudden breast growth if there is hair fall if there is irritability brain fog if there is increased craving for carbs uh, heavy periods or increasing uh, menstrual cramps these are all signs and symptoms that can give a clue that there is something going on so i have so, heard that um stress leads to estrogen dominance is that correct stress, uh, stress, or it can uh, <laughs> it can it it has an associated effect like uh, any stress any uh, every person is in stress at the moment yeah. every person due to a daily routine their daily lifestyle the work routine yeah. if a person is driving he is under stress or she is under stress yeah the moment she enters in the comfort zone in the home or office or anything like that where she is uh, sitting comfortable she is supposed to be in the normal state of mind but if a person is not able to have, feel relaxed or not able to ignore all the things that were happening a month ago or year ago or day ago this added stress it increases the number of those hormones which are uh, stress hormones in the body like uh, the adrenaline rush will be there there will be increased cortisol if she is not sleeping properly so these disturbed hormones they will suppress the normal hormones in the body which uh, work or act for normal cell functioning like the estrogens the progesterone the growth hormone thyroid hormone so any added thing that is causing any kind of emergency situation panic situation in the body it will suppress the normal functioning of the body 
same case is if there is estrogen excess in the body whether due to increased progest- uh, production of the estrogen or she is taking those chemicals which act as external estrogen in the body so if she is having those kind of things going on then definitely she will feel all those signs and symptoms that i already mentioned so stress has an effect directly it may not have any kind of uh, direct effect but it is a contributing factor towards those things those uh, processes which are causing breast damage so stress um i know if you're not sleeping enough you can get stressed and also um i can't remember what the name is of the hormone that suppresses appetite but also there's less of that so then you're cra- craving uh, carbs so it sounds like all of that could kind of mush together into a really bad recipe for increasing your chance of breast cancer actually uh, that's the whole thing uh, the concept of breast examination is something that was initially used to describe any process to get, to check breasts whether it is self breast examination or clinical examination but ideally it should be breast awareness and okay. it should incorporate all the medical and holistic aspects to it or uh, it is not just about uh, checking your hormones or checking if there is a lump in the breast and all that it should include any person because every person is different every person has a different lifestyle different routine different sleep time different pattern to channelize the energy and all that so everybody needs to learn what is normal for her what is a good thing for her in her own uh, lifestyle in her own age group and in her own uh, living uh, you can say living type and all that cause okay. he has to learn which diet is good for her body which uh, sleep pattern sleep time is required which things are harmful what she can apply on the skin and the body on a regular basis and which aspects or things to avoid so all these factors she has to learn on her own using the help of the google google doc <laughs> in general but particularly any healthcare professional who is uh, dedicated towards breast health or uh, obstetrical and gynecological health so it is it requires a process of developing and training doctors healthcare professionals any person who has all the uh, these aspects covered who can guide and educate others because this is a requirement of this era to have those dedicated professionals as well who can guide and teach i wanted to ask you when you were talking about that um about that you were talking about all these different factors right and you mentioned several times things that we put on our body or into our body and i again with some of that research i was doing i was really surprised at some of the things that you don't really think about you know just going through our everyday life um what are some of those things that we need to watch out for and then after that maybe how do well we'll get into that later i guess but how do we actually like you were saying you need to know yourself and what's normal for you and what feels normal but i know i mean i was taught check for lumps that sort of thing but the things you mentioned are well past just lumps you're talking about like texture and nodes and and things like that um but Yeah, first could you just tell us what are some of the things that we should watch out for and maybe change to prevent those extra 
hormones coming into our body? Uh, the first thing first is to know what is normal for every person. The, 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 to define normal, let me give you an example, an idea that what should be checked on a regular basis. It is not just about checking uh, on a monthly basis to find any lump. That okay. thing is a story of the past, in my opinion. Okay. Now, on a regular basis, either daily or alternate day or once a week, the visual inspection is one of the most things that every female should do. And it should involve uh, on a daily basis, uh, going uh, to the changing room or shower, just to look at both sides, both breast nipples. The breast glands starts right under the clavicle bone till the last part of the breast that is felt from the center of central bone, the sternum, till the armpit area. It That's a really large area. That's a really yes. large area to check. Yes, it is a large area to check, but this is this should be in, uh, included in the examination. That's the okay. thing that we are not properly guiding and teaching our uh, younger generation about this thing. And it should start right from their teenage, when they start to develop their breasts, well, after the age of 9, 10 years or later or a bit earlier, any age group that is uh, particular to that person, Mm-hmm. They should be taught that they should, uh, on a regular basis, check if there is any skin change, if there is any pigmentation, if there is any scar, any mark, any redness, if there is any increasing um, difference between both breast or nipples. Ideally, there can be a small difference, small variation in both sides that is normal. But if there is increasing variation, it should be considered. If there is any, uh, you can say, pigmentation that was not there a couple of days ago when she checked, if it, it, is, uh, it appears near the nipple or areola or any part of the breast or the chest, then she should keep a note of it and keep checking if that pigmentation increasing, increasing number in its size or its, uh, you can say, the color is changing, then it should be considered. These all are not a sign of cancer. These all are part of the normal awareness thing that should, should be aware that uh, there is something going on. It can be a normal thing. It can be a normal variation for her, but it can be a sign that can lead to any problem in the future after a month, a year or five years. But it should be under her consideration that she has to look for all these things. Secondly, she should uh, check for any kind of discharge from the nipple. Nipple discharge can happen in the teenage, in the 20s, even without any pregnancy, even without breastfeeding, nipple discharge can happen. If there is discharge, she should note if there it has color or it is colorless. If there is any kind of stickiness to it, any kind of rash with it, any itching with it. So all these things have to be considered. Let's suppose a girl of 15 or 16 years of age, she notices that there is a small rash near the nipple area or the areola. There is a small uh, spot of discharge on the fabric, any fabric that she is wearing. So she should be consider, uh, considering the fact that it can be due to any kind of irritation, any allergy, or due to that bra or any fabric that she is wearing due to the rub, it can cause skin damage. So if this process continues without, uh, even she is caring for it, she changed the, that fabric and all that, she applied the cream. 
even if it is not disappearing this rash is increasing it can be a sign of any allergy any uh, sensitivity reaction it can be a sign of infection so the main thing is to look for any change that is happening in the skin now this uh, is one aspect is a skin this examination can be done on daily basis it just take one minute of her just to look for if anything is okay that is good she can repeat this after two three days five days it is a gradual process a daily process of knowing her own body it doesn't involve any other person it doesn't involve any talking to any person or uh, gossiping about anything or anything else it is just about knowing her own body she can only have she only has to visit or ask a doctor or any healthcare professional if she is not able to comprehend any change which is happening to her body only at that time and in this process of awareness of knowing her mother her elder sister or any uh, elder person who she asks it is responsibility of that person not to shut her up not to give her a sign that you are asking too many questions you are asking irrelevant questions she should be taught she should be guided that in your age if these changes are happening these are normal you should consider that these changes may increase in number these changes may increase in their intensity if she is feeling pain you should not tell her that uh, it is uh, something that will happen to you you should ignore it just tell her that these are part of the process of the growth due to under the influence of hormones and anything you are eating and also the self care you are doing to yourself the kind of fabric you wear the kind of bra you wear maybe you are wearing an inappropriate size or inappropriate type bra which is not suitable for you so all these information all these things they have to be guided and provided to every person who is undergoing these process and after she has completed the growth process in her late teens and 20s then the process of uh, awareness regarding the risk factors which contribute towards the disease they should start in uh, daily life on a daily basis or regular basis she should start to learn her own and there should be a system any uh, health advisory system in place in everywhere that she should uh, either consult online or she should be able to read about it if she wants to and if she is concerned about any change any problem then she can visit a doctor who is dedicated to guide and advise about these all processes so this is the whole thing that i propose and advise and guide to every person who seeks guidance from me that was brilliant i wonder if you have any suggestions about talking with young girls who are still growing into their body and not comfortable talking about these sort of things as a lot of women and mothers want to know how do we talk to our daughters about that when they're just they don't even want to talk about bras in the first place or something like that actually the thing is uh, we have to first normalize uh, the concept of uh, awareness body awareness and breast awareness in particular that it is like learning any anything that uh, kids are into technology the tech the gadgets and all that they are into learning about its different features its different qualities and the particular aspect that is uh, that is unique to it in the same way we should encourage them to learn about the whole life process the whole body process and their own body it we should normalize the concept of learning and education 
because if we are uh, providing them the resource that are relevant and particular to their age group and their understanding then they will feel it interesting to learn if we are bombarding them with the information that is not relevant to their age group then they will feel uh, irritated with this all information that if we start yes. telling them that uh, there is a risk of cancer in your 40s it is not relevant to their age group in the teens you have to first tell them that this uh, this process of growth it involves the increase the number and size of the glands and the cells that are present in every female in some there is more number and size in some there is less in some the breast growth can be more in some it can be less the same age group it all depends on the things you eat the kind of lifestyle you have the sleep pattern you have the genetics you have and all the self care you provide to yourself so if we put this thing in this manner that you are providing the kind of diet to yourself because it will help promote the growth of your body including your breast it will promote the growth of your bones your hair nails skin texture they are all interlinked so if you are caring for your skin if you are conscious about having a good skin if you are conscious about your height if you are conscious about your uh, skin texture and all that your personality then breast growth is part of the body that adds to the personality to your uh, female gender identity and all that so you should consider all these aspects not just that it it is for any kind of appeal to any person they are all aspects of yourself that you should consider for your own health your own benefit for own self confidence they are part of your personality you should not consider any other person while you are caring for yourself so this whole concept should start right from the time of 9 to 10 years when the breast development starts in a gradual manner one by one we can provide them with the information that is relevant to their age group so that they don't feel burdened about it or they don't feel irritated about it at the time when there is some extra change that is happening in their mid teens because there will be acne there will be skin change and all that they will be irritated if they are not aware of this whole process in their early teens so it should be gradual it should be the thing that easy to that is easy to understand relatable and so that they are comfortable talking to that person who was their initial teacher either mother elder sister or any person so she should be comfortable with at least one person in this world with whom she can ask and discuss all these aspects and that's i think what you're saying is to treat it well not only did you say like to treat it as part of the normal body but um i like what you talked about as well that it doesn't have to be one big discussion it's just part of life just how we talk about growth it's that's not like you have to sit her down for a talk you know it it should be uh, like if you are uh, providing her some kind of a new uh, body soap body wash or any uh, detergent or anything for the fabric and all that it should be like a normal discussion that as we guide our children that this is a new shampoo for you this is a new toothpaste for you or toothbrush for you it helps you clean the uh, your teeth effectively same thing the same tone in the same conversation manner where without having them to 
actually think about it specifically you can just tell that you should care for your skin particularly for those areas which are sensitive which are vulnerable to any damage and if that person asks you if the kids or the teenager asks you which are those areas or which areas you are talking particularly about you can just say that don't wear any kind of fabric that has a rough texture that it can damage the skin of the nipple or the breast as it is a sensitive skin area just in the normal conversation you are providing her a life lesson that she should not be wearing any kind of uh, fabric that is irritant to the skin in the same way a small step daily tip or weekly or monthly tip it goes a long way that she should be aware of the things that can damage her skin her body her health so it should not be uh, you can say imposed information it should be a part of the conversation normal tone conversation in any adult and the child that it should not involve any kind of particular attention by the person it should be part of the normal routine that's i think that's brilliant it's a brilliant approach i try to do that with my kids just like it's part of life this is how things work um I just don't see this the sense in dramatizing things. So, just approaching it from from what it is. It's a regular everyday part of life. But that's really it makes sense. But um what I wanted to ask next is what you were talking about with those shampoos or soaps or things like that. I know um apparently there are some a lot of products we use that have things in there that are carcinogenous or increase the risk to whatever extent i don't know but i was hoping you could tell us more about that it's yes, definitely uh, there are some chemicals in, uh, that are included in the plastics some uh, good quality plastic they have a label that bpa free so these bpas uh, these uh, chemicals they have estrogen like effect in the body and If sorry what does person, bpa stand for uh, those, do you remember i don't this uh, bisphenols and all that Uh, okay this, this is a whole name for it but uh i should not i should read it again that's <laughs> okay i'm it. sure it's a long but, scientific uh, name <laughs> so uh the bpas they are present in the plastics so any container in which she is drinking or any person is drinking not just the female any male person any person because it has uh it is not good to have those low quality plastics which have bpas as okay. they are uh, carcinogens uh, things should not be heated in them no hot beverage or hot uh, stuff should be in those uh, plastic bottles or containers same is with uh, those skincare products which have parabens in them these okay. uh, also have a tendency estrogen like tendency because when absorbed in the body they will act as external uh, estrogen in the body and they will have same effect like the estrogen inside the uh, body so uh, same is like heavy metals like aluminum in different skincare products and uh, in the pesticides there are chemicals uh, which are sprayed on different uh, you can say vegetables and fruits and all that so excessive use of these pesticides this is harmful so there are loads of chemicals loads of things and one particular thing that uh, i want to highlight at this moment that uh, bra selection is vital not just for the breast care but also as it has dyes which has chemicals which are carcinogens all right those bras which have uh, which are heavily dyed 
and dyed with those uh, chemicals which are carcinogens which are not of good quality they have a tendency to be absorbed in the skin and they will definitely affect the skin texture they will definitely affect the cells and it has a tendency to increase the risk of cancer also if those chemicals are absorbed on a regular basis particularly if that person is wearing over a longer period of time those bras which are heavily dyed which are treated with those chemicals which are carcinogens so so how how would you find thing. out if your bra has that uh any bra which is dyed with uh, lots of uh, you can say heavy colors or deep colors or those textured bras that are available of any uh, company or any brand that is lesser known that has uh, a source which is not known so it should be a warning sign okay, okay. That, uh, a simple bra especially natural fabric bra or you can say partly synthetic those are all right but anything that is of uh, those colors which are very you can say bright colors very attractive just to make them attractive and all that they definitely have those chemicals which were used to dye them again and again just to give them that kind of look and that kind of texture so it should be avoided i'm just surprised it seems like most laws try to outlaw things that are carcinogens and so i'm, I'm just surprised that that's so commonly found actually uh, there are two things one uh, one aspect is of the consumer one aspect is of a normal person who is trying to use these things the other aspect is the corporate factor that involves the sales that involves the promotion yeah. that involves the added benefit tag that if you do this you will get this benefit whether this benefit is organic or it has all the strings attached to it so uh we should be caring and considering the part that we have as a consumer as a user as someone who is trying to adopt these things or changes or all that so yeah. to make ourselves safe we have to consider all these aspects and make wiser choices we cannot be wise all the time but at least we can try to be wiser yeah i think that goes back again to that taking care of your own health as much as you can you know definitely watching out for those sort of things. I mean, is there a bra brand in particular that you know doesn't use those dangerous or more cancer-inducing things? Uh, we should not be concerned about the brand. Uh, this is one more thing that uh, people uh, mostly, uh, they highlight that this particular brand is very good. Okay. That brand or that thing sh- uh, would be good. It would be a really good brand with a lot of uh, good care. Uh, while treating the fabric and all that but it doesn't mean that it should be a proper fit to that person okay if it is not providing a proper fit if it is not providing the proper uh, there are three main things any bra should do for any female okay. it should provide proper support it should be proper fit it should provide proper support the second is it should not impair the circulation and drainage of the ducts in the glands and the lymphatics we should not be impairing that and the and thing sorry is, the lymphatics are those throughout the whole breast area i know there's a bunch under the arm the mostly uh, the lymphatic system is basically present in most part of the body it is basically collecting the uh, you can say uh, it is a protective thing this system mm-hmm. 
it it is it tries to uh, you can say remove the chemicals remove the toxins remove yeah. the cells dead cells and all that so these uh, lymph nodes they are present mostly in the armpit area some in the breast glands and some of them over mm-hmm. and under the clavicle so uh, they are all connected through the channels which are present inside the breast and through those channels yeah. this lymph is flowing against the gravity towards the armpit area so if, so if you've got as, a really tight bra it won't drain properly the, the bra is if the bra is tight it will not drain or not properly drain and if the bra is loose if it is not providing the proper support then due to the effect of the gravity it will be hard for those uh, blood vessels and those lymph glands to properly move against the gravity it should be oh, wow. proper fit I had no idea that a bra, the bra did that benefit, that actual medical benefit. The the basic benefit is uh, to provide support, and the added benefit comes from the movement of the shoulder, of the arm, and the chest area. Because whenever we are moving our arms and the chest, due to the movement effect, it helps support the proper circulation and drainage. But if a person, uh, if any student or any person who is working from home or in the office or any person who is sitting for six to eight hours in the chair in any work environment so definitely if the posture is incorrect if the movement of the arms and the chest is less or it is very reduced then definitely it will affect the lymphatic and the normal drainage of those ducts and the glands also because uh, i often give example that if a person is in the habit of sitting leaning forward like this leaning forward and if she is not wearing a proper fit bra if it is either loose or tight so she is providing two factors that are against the breast health one is due to the effect of the gravity all the secretions will be pulling inside towards the downward area if the bra is constricting or if it is loose one both will not uh, provide proper support to the breast and due to the effect of the posture these glands are constantly flooded with all those secretions and all those lymphatics and all that so she is not allowing her own breast health breast glands to properly function and if this process goes on for months years then definitely there will be some kind of damage to the glands and the ducts i'm not saying it will cause cancer i'm just saying it will cause an increased risk of inflammation any inflammation inside the breast or any part of the body if it continues it leads to the formation of damaged cells yep and damaged cells we have already covered but they can do to the body so i had my chiropractor once tell me that you should get up like every 20 minutes or so just stand up from your desk if you're working in an office job or you're working where you're sitting down a lot is that what you recommend or i mean how would you counteract this this lack of movement that leads to the pooling she can do simple exercises while if even if she is sitting if you are sitting like at this moment mm-hmm. there are a couple of exercises that you can do right now just okay. to facilitate this one is the combing movement like this do this type combing. 20 times okay yes. oh like just combing oh combing. just to lift your arm and let this drain yes it will help oh, okay. to uh, facilitate the movement this is a simple okay. thing any female can do in any setting okay so this is not a hard thing to do so you can Even just comb you, your hair while you're at the while you're at the desk uh, you okay. can do it it's a, the same movement 
without combing you can just do this movement repeat this movement the other right. thing is like the flapping movement like moving um, up and down okay simple this movement or she can do it okay. in the curl and all this thing it okay helps to strengthen the muscles of the neck also of this area the shoulder girdle and the chest so it is just to facilitate the movement just to facilitate the drainage and also strengthen the muscles any female in the 20s and 30s if she is in a habit of doing these things it will help to strengthen the muscles of the chest of the back of the neck and it will avoid all the unnecessary burden and unnecessary pains and discomfort due to uh, increased work increased sitting time and all that so these are small steps that can help any person regain the strength of the muscles even without having going to join the gym and all that so how often would you suggest they do this arm movement to keep the flow going anything that is suitable or comfortable for any person she can okay. start from one time and repeat it 5 to 10 or 20 times whatever suits us anything it all depends on us how much comfortable we are doing anything okay whether one time or 10 time or 20 time so it is all okay. dependent on the person who is trying any kind of uh, exercise or work routine or anything like that but at least once is better than not doing it and just sitting for months or years without without moving definitely it, it all depends on the person how much they are willing to adopt and improve themselves so it all depends on them any person okay. who wants to inf- increase their own uh, you can say health and anything the strength of the muscles and uh, even if it is not directly causing them uh, benefit to reduce the risk of breast cancer it it is just providing them something that they are doing to themselves that will help in their health not just for cancer there are more a lot more things besides cancer that right. uh, any person can do good to their body so yeah. it is one step towards this i think we're going to have to do two interviews to be honest because we're probably about a quarter of the way through everything i wanted to ask you about that you said the broadest three things and we got through the first two um the support and then um what were the other two that you were talking about i'm trying to remember i'm the, sorry the i'm, I'm so caught is, up in all the all the things we're okay. talking about <laughs> the one thing is support the second support. thing is to allow proper circulation and drainage circulation and the, and third drainage. Thing is, and the third thing is any person who is doing, doing any kind of physical activity any kind of exercise and all that the sports bra she is wearing or she is selecting she oh should do it after the proper bounce test okay so this is actually perfect because i am actively on the hunt for a good sports bra right now what do i look for the only thing that you should uh, look for is that it should not be a lot constricting sports bra are supposed to be those which are providing proper support uh, all part of the breast but there are some uh, bra types that may or may not be suitable for you cause okay. uh, like for instance if you are uh, you have to check whether it is a good fit or it has a good bounce test or not you just wear it in the proper way that you want you feel comfortable with so what what's you your definition of a a bounce a good bounce test a good bounce test uh, let's suppose you are wearing a bra that you feel it is comfortable it is suitable for you you just have to bounce or skip two three times if you feel that there is an a- additional jerk to the breast if there the, there is discomfort during that thing 
if okay. you feel if you are being in the mirror if you feel that the, the breast is not properly supported during a jump when you okay. are going up and when you are landing on uh, your feet if there is additional jerk if the breast tissue is not properly supported even it fits good if feels good it is not a good bra for you because okay. it is not allowing breast to properly get secured and it is uh, giving the, the same kind of jerk that was present in any other bra so the, this is the thing to avoid cause it will not uh, do any harm uh, at that moment but it will uh, harm in two ways one it will damage the uh, the inner uh, you can say muscles and those adhesions which are present inside the breast tissue those are called ligaments the cooper's ligaments they are there to hold the breast gland and the ducts all inside so if those ligaments are damaged then it will cause sagging so this uh, aspect has to be cared and the second thing is due to any jerk they, we are constantly pressing the breast towards uh, the chest wall and towards the bra that any person is wearing so due to this effect the constant rub the constant friction and the constant pressure there can be skin damage particularly to the nipples it can cause nipple abrasion nipple skin damage and it can lead to cracks and infection in the nipples so okay. the proper fit proper support and the third thing it should not be having an awkward bounce or an awkward jerk to the breast or skin and all that so these thing have to be considered Oh, that's brilliant. Okay. So, I mean, do people go too far in the other direction where they get a sports bra that is too small or, you know, is compressing them too much? Uh, they, of course, exercise activity is for a limited time, for 20, right. 30 minutes or 40 minutes. So if a person is wearing uh, that kind of bra, if she is into a sternness exercise routine, so she can wear a bra that is a bit constricting, a bit tighter one. Yeah to avoid uh, skin rub, skin damage, and also to avoid the additional jerk and all that. So for that period of time, she can wear it. But after that, after removing that bra, uh, there should be uh, some massage, breast massage and lymphatic massage. Afterwards. Oh, really? Because breast massage is very important. Uh, People I have no idea about this, this massage. <laughs> I have no idea what that, how, it, how it works. There, there are different kinds of massages uh, depending on the size, on the age, and the purpose of the, uh, the massage. Because in any person, any healthy female in the 20s, 30s, or 40s, if she is not lactating, if she is not pregnant and all that, a normal healthy person, a simple massage of 2-3 minutes on a daily basis just to improve the circulation and drainage of the breast it allows okay. the normal drainage of the lymphatics. Also, it provides a good skin, uh, you can say, added benefit to the skin with uh, the kind of oil or any lotion that is sensitive for the sensitive skin to provide proper moisturization, to avoid dryness. So these all benefits go a long way. And also it, it helps in uh, skin strengthening to avoid uh, unnecessary breast sagging, unnecessary skin changes, unnecessary or early uh, wrinkles and stretch marks and all that. So all yeah. these aspects are covered with a simple two to three or five minutes routine of breast massage on a regular basis. 
whether after exercise or before sleep, it has a very good beneficial effect on breast health. So is that with like a, a lotion that doesn't have BPAs or olive oil or coconut oil or just anything so you're not just rubbing the skin and irritating the skin? Uh, olive oil is good. Coconut oil is good. They have skin benefits, same as with almond oil. So any okay. Anything that is available which is not irritant to the skin, anything okay. that is available to any person, they can use it. So it is just to provide the, you can say, skin nutrition and skin support that it is not dried because due to any, uh, you can say, soap used or any skin or body wash used, it has a tendency to wipe off the normal oily layer of the skin yeah. just to make it feel clean. To make it clean, it uh, removes all the oily, the protective layer of the skin. So we have to provide it with some kind of skin barrier with the use of natural oils and all that just to keep it healthy, glowing and to reduce the, any kind of skin damage. So it is for any person who is in a regular routine of self-care. So after you work out, you massage for a few minutes with some sort of oil to drain the lymph area. Lymph is mostly drained. Uh, whenever you exercise, it is drained. Yeah. But it is just to give a clue that uh, massage will help to reduce the discomfort or do okay. any use of any constricting bra. Even if yeah. a person is wearing a, a constricting bra, not just for the exercise, for any uh, outdoor activity or anything like that for a couple of hours if that is well after that to relax the muscles to relax the glands and to relax the skin a, a small uh, massage will have an added benefit i wonder if that's what's happening i know um as a man you don't wear bras but as a woman at the end of the day one of the best feelings is taking off your bra <laughs> i wonder if it's because now you're suddenly like getting that circulation and getting that um i I don't know, just everything moving a bit better. Uh, after removing the bra, actually it is, uh, if it, a person, if a female is not wearing any kind of bra, after a whole day of activity, then she is allowing all those secretions to pull in again. So yeah. She should, be, she should be wearing any kind of support bra, any t-shirt or anything like that, that yeah. should at least provide some kind of support. Yeah. So that there is not total, you can say, after one extreme, you go to the other extreme. It no, should, no, I mean, uh, like, just at the end of the day, to, uh, when you get your bra off, you know, it, it feels yeah. nice to, to be um, unrestricted, you know? At that time, after that uh, the phase, before sleep or anything, uh, whenever you are relaxed, a couple of minutes of massage will add to that benefit. Just, okay. I'm just telling that it will help. Okay. That's good to know. I had no idea. <laughs> Brilliant. So we've gone through the benefits and, and types of bras and, and how to find one that fits you well and how to test for that, how to use them during exercise and what to do after. Um, that's a lot. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. You've just educated me very much. Thank you. I wanted to ask as well though, um, when a woman is doing that massage, is that a good time to do the check as well? You were talking about visually and to check the whole, it's almost sounds like the whole pectoral area really that you want to go over. It's different. Uh, if she's in a habit of uh, regular massage or skincare, she can check it at that time. 
because uh, if uh, after applying any kind of oil or lotion it makes it easier to palpate it makes it easier for the movement because uh, this this is one more thing that i edu- uh, regularly educate that it is not just about the circular movement that is advertised everywhere that you just do this round circular way uh, all around the breast just to check air it is not a complete way of checking for uh, the lumps or anything like that okay in this in this circular movement uh, small lumps or uh, anything that is present between the ducts or along the side of the ducts or along the ducts it can be missed because the ducts are this is okay. this is a central point the nipple area ducts are going away from it like uh, fanning out so yep. if we are checking like this we may be missing some small lumps or anything like that so it should be checked in the circular manner in the line we pay up and down and outwards in the 1 o'clock 2 o'clock 3 o'clock like this oh really in, only in this way we can check if something is uh, circular or tubular because if we are checking like this we will not have an idea whether this is a round structure or tube we can only check if it is a tube if we are running our fingers in its direction so you're going you'll do the circular then you'll also do vertical and then also fanning out fanning out because oh. the ducts are fanning out ducts right. are like this so yeah. if we are checking in this manner only then we know whether uh, if a, a particular duct is dilated if it is blocked or clogged only we can trace it like this if it we are going like this we are only checking the part of it same right. like if the there's a bunch of straws if we look at this these are five round structures from five hollow structures if right. we are looking like this these are five straws so this is a whole concept that we have to look for the changes not just the lump we have to look the texture either, either it is spongy either, either it is grainy either it is nodular either one part feels more denser than the other either one part feels hard than the rest of it so we have to look for the texture and all these things it can so, only be felt sorry finish go ahead okay so we have to look at the whole picture not just for the lump we have to notice the changes also like uh, one day mm-hmm. if she feels that one part of the breast it feels harder than the other it feels nodular mm-hmm. and after a couple of days if she is checking it it feels that all of the breast tissue is same spongy one it means there was some factor that were causing congestion in that part of the breast gland and the ducts which she was feeling at that moment but later it got reduced so she has to be aware what is normal for her she can only be aware if that it is normal if she is in a habit of checking on a regular basis if she is not in a habit of checking on a regular basis then anything will feel like a cancer to her oh, anything will feel like if it is a cancer right so, this is the whole concept that you have to be aware and this awareness should start from the time that you started to develop your breast in the teenage and after that only then you can know what is normal for your own body over the period of time over the period of years i wanted to ask when people hear nodular they might be a little bit confused about what exactly you mean by that could you explain what how you would tell if something is nodular by palpating by the feeling uh like uh if any person uh, if, uh, like example of a bean bag there are small beans in that 
if you are rubbing a finger on a bean bag, you will feel there are small, small nodules and small lumps inside it. But the, it will be homogeneous. It will be same all over it. Yeah. The same thing is with the breast. If a breast gland is congested, either she is lactating, either she is pregnant, or either she is having any kind of hormonal change that is making those glands and ducts uh, have more activity in them, more secretions pouring in inside. It happens to every female a uh, yeah. couple of days or few days in the menstrual cycle that breasts feel tender, they feel more heavier, they feel more firmer. So it is part of the normal congestion that happens with the hormonal change. If she is feeling that all the breast tissue, all the breast gland feels the same way, the same nodulars, the same granular like, uh, like a bean bag if she is feeling, then it is normal for her. But if a certain part of the breast is like this and the rest is spongy, it is okay. uh, squeezable and the, that part is if she squeezes it or if she tries to squeeze it, it is tender, it is painful. It means that particular area has something going on which is against the other, uh, the normal part of the breast. She should consider it at that moment. She should repeat it just the next day, couple of days later. If that thing persists, then she can visit a doctor. That I am feeling okay. something strange in that particular area. If that congested area, if that uh, nodular area resolves in a couple of days, then it is normal thing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I know what you mean about that feeling of a beanbag feeling. I um, didn't know what that was called, nodular or not. But that's, yeah, that's really, really helpful, actually. I'm sure a lot of people right now are going to be thinking, oh, I better go check that. <laughs> and also, just the idea of checking on a regular basis so frequently. I didn't realize it was something to be done so frequently. Skin can be checked on a daily basis. If Whenever she is changing, whenever she is in a shower, she can then check on a daily basis. It just takes one minute just to look just to check if everything is the same way, same as every person checks the face or any pimple or any mark or any mole or anything like that. The same thing is uh, checking the both sides of the breast and lifting the arm and checking the armpit. That's the thing. The, That's uh, right. the, the physical examination, the palpation, it should be done on a monthly basis. If she feels something different or something weird, she can check it on the next day or a couple of days later. But the visual inspection can be done on a daily basis and the palpation on a monthly basis. That should be part of the routine. She can have okay. an additional checking if she feels something different. Otherwise, uh, it should be done like this. All right. Well, I'm going to have to make sure I do that going forward and teach my kids about that as well so that so that they make sure that they're, they're following your advice because it's really good advice. I wanted to ask as well um, and just kind of shift a little bit into risk factors. Because I know there are different um, things we've talked about so far in the environment that affect the increase in, in too much estrogen, and that can lead to an increase in uh, breast cancer risk. What are some of the risk factors, generally speaking, for aside from the, sit, the um, situational risk factors? What are some of the ones for um, lifestyle, genetics, diet, all of this? There are basically two kinds of risk factors. One is the modifiable one that anybody has control of. The second is non-modifiable. Uh, uh, being a female is a non-modifiable risk factor. <laughs> okay. Female are at more risk. 
then do have a risk factor but very less so the second is having a gene mutation brca1 and brca2 if they have this gene mutation in their body they are uh, have an additional risk same is having a family history of any uh, blood relative mother sister cousin or aunt or like that or grandmother okay. so these are the non modifiable risk factors same is if a person if a girl gets the menstrual cycle uh, before the age of 12 years it adds to the risk factor okay not particularly that it will cause breast cancer or it will have a definite risk factor because it uh, it is an indication that there is increased estrogen in the body from the early years so if she gets married and have or gets pregnancy and she lactates in her mid 20s or late 20s then this risk factor reduces because she has limited the estrogen level in her body so as many times she gets pregnant she lactates or she has reduced this break in the estrogen cycle or this estrogen surge it adds to the benefit towards breast health so same goes if she is in uh, she hits the menopause after the age of 50 years or 50 years then this also prolongs the estrogen stay in the body so all these factors they are non modifiable one that one doesn't have a direct control over the modifiable ones are the diet she takes uh, about the contraceptive pills if she is taking she can avoid those the external estrogens that i have discussed if she limits their use if she limits an uh, necessary relation to exposure like going uh, having x rays or mammograms so reducing those before the age of 40 years it uh, it is a modifiable risk factor so all these factors they contribute either towards breast health or towards increasing risk of breast cancer and the main thing that is to control the estrogen in the body and to limit the amount of stuff that we are using over the body or inside our body that adds to this estrogen surge or estrogen levels so all these things they are modifiable that we can try to reduce as much as possible one thing i read was that it was interesting and you can tell me um what you think of this if it's accurate accurate or not um i think it was from let me let me double check my source here um it's breastcancerukuk.org and they mentioned that interestingly enough um people have asked if being overweight is a risk factor and um apparently being overweight when you reach menopause is a risk factor but being overweight before menopause is not i'm not sure what you think of that <laughs> actually uh, any person who has additional fats on the body any person okay. additional having additional fat means there is an imbalance between the calories consumed and the calories burnt this is a very simplified thing of this so anything that is stored in the body in the form of fats the estrogen uh, these fats they are you can say a direct source of estrogen also also okay. these chemicals these chemicals that act as estrogen they are also stored and deposited in additional fats so they are a constant storage house of estrogen and estrogen like chemicals which are causing some kind of damage towards the body and also to the breast because they are promoting 
more fatty deposition they are promoting more estrogen like effects in the body and if a person if she has a menopause let's suppose at the age of 50 years she has a store of those fats and those chemicals in the body they are an external source of estrogen even her internal source is depleted estrogen the external source is constantly acting in the body and in the breast glands and all that to cause those changes which were meant to be stopped after the reduction of estrogen after menopause so this added store of estrogen like chemicals it is in those fats that she has developed and gathered all her life and now these estrogen like chemicals they are causing the damaging effect so she's basically stored extra estrogen in the form of fat and that she has stored she has stored those fats which have absorbed those chemicals which are uh, acting like estrogen okay okay so basically a holding place yes it's a storage house you can see a storage house there we go so that makes me wonder then um i know a lot of women have talked about how wonderful hrt hormone replacement therapy after menopause or in perimenopause made them feel and they felt like they were themselves again and a lot of people have talked about during menopause they just start to gain weight and all these sort of things um how does one balance all that with the changes that are so hard on your body uh, and yet not increasing the risk of breast cancer uh one thing is having a good physical activity okay cause you are burning those fats that you are uh, gathering around so you are burning those also the second is to eat healthy and to reduce the, that additional source of external estrogen and the third thing is to uh, limit the amount of those uh, replacement therapy drugs estrogen like drugs she is having to reduce the amount as much as possible whatever is applicable to her health status she can because uh, everybody is different everybody has a different body to respond to these chemicals that she is trying to use just to improve her overall health her skin and all that energy levels and all that So how would mm. how would she talk with cuz I I imagine your average doctor and I don't know who is allowed to prescribe HRT but I imagine your average doctor doesn't have as much knowledge about breast cancer obviously as someone like yourself so obviously they would need to work with their doctor to get the right balance like you were talking about but should they be seeing a specialist should they be seeing someone who can consult on this depending on whatever levels they have in their body and and to make sure that it's not increasing the risk actually anything uh, that is estrogenic or anything that is related to estrogen it will definitely increase the risk factor in okay. some it it will increase more in some it will it will less but any lifestyle change any change she adopts she has to consider both the risk factors and benefits and weigh those before initiating any kind of therapy so it involves self information in the form of any journals articles or google or she can ask the doctor who knows about her health condition so it involves understanding of all the risk factors the benefits and then she can decide what whether she is able to modify her lifestyle 
to reduce those risk factors that are uh, attached with any therapy or any breast augmentation or reduction or any surgery or anything like that she adopts. So it is not just for uh, HRT, it, it is also linked with any uh, breast implant or any surgery, cosmetic surgery that she has to be aware of the risk factors because anything that we are inserting inside our body, even if it is water, if it is in imbalanced amount, imbalanced proportion, it will have some kind of effect. So she should be aware that she should make informed decision, not a rash decision, informed decision. So then she can justify yeah. that if something goes wrong and she knows that it was her own choice and it is a complication or side effect of this. So then and then she, she can, be, sorry, she can be checking that, as well, right? She will be checking as well and secondly, if something goes wrong for that person, then at least she will know that it, it was a choice that she made after considering all the factors. She will not blame anybody or any person or anything for this. She will know that it is a consequence of something that she adopted on her own after considering all the risk factors, all the things attached with it. Then she will make those changes or choices or treatment choices that she feels that she can cope with so that she can minimize those risk factors. It should be based on the information, not just something that everybody else is doing. It should be based on something that she adopts after knowing all the aspects. Yep, going into it with, with a, an analytical view as well, just to, like you were saying, look at the benefits, look at the risks. And also, is it, um, is it, I imagine you can try it, try hormone replacement therapy. And if it works for you, then carry on or, or adjust. But it's not something you have to stick with permanently if it's not working. Definitely, you have to uh, monitor everything. Whenever you start something, you have to monitor it. You have to monitor the changes. Yeah. And if it is not a per per perfect fit or ideal fit for you, then you should avoid it. Because it should uh, not give you any harm uh, in a short run also. In the long run, nobody knows what will happen, but at least in the short run, it should not give you something that is damaging for you. That's brilliant. Um, I think what we're going to have to do is pause it there because I think we've almost got an hour and a half already, which is a bit crazy. But um, if you're willing to do a part two, I, I have a lot more questions still about other things, um, but we've covered a lot so far. And uh, I just want to yes, say thank you. Can do, uh, uh, most welcome. We can do a second session, but after uh, a couple of weeks. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That <laughs> is brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, most I'm going to pause the recording just now and uh, get back to you.